Good morning. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So good to see everybody out here this morning. I want to open with a couple of announcements. Just want to make sure we get everybody before everybody leaves at the end. Uh, don't forget, junior camp is this week at the Georgia campground, so go up and support if you can. The other announcement is our back-to-school service. Next Sunday, we're going to have our 9.30, traditional 9.30 service inside. At 11 a.m., we're going to move out outside. Um, have service outside, and there'll be there'll be bouncy houses and all the usual activities outside. Um, the evangelist will be Reverend Shannon Peacock. So, um, and I think Brother Mid Gordon said we're having T-shirt Sunday. So, I kind of hope so because it'll be awful hot to get to so, Amen. If you could all stand, we're going to open in prayer. Amen. Again, so good to see each and every one of you. If it's your first time here, we welcome you. I mean, we're just going to ask the presence of the Lord to have his way in this house. God of heaven, we love you today. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, for your mercy. We thank you, God, for your grace. Lord, we're thankful for another opportunity, God, to be able to come into your presence. God, to come into your house. God, to be able to magnify and exalt you and lift you up. God, we honor you today. God, we pray that your presence, God, would have its way. God, that you would move, God, upon every heart, upon every individual. God, that your spirit would be made manifest, God, in this house. God, we love you. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Worship with the praise team.
He's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, worthy to be lifted up and praised. You don't have to stop doing what you're doing when I come up to this microphone. He's definitely worthy of being praised. Amen. Watch this video. It's been awesome today. Y'all are about to have some exciting power packed church. The Holy Ghost is giving me. See and I took her a few days, a few nights away. We had a couple of nights get away. We didn't. Uh, we had went on a date night in a few months, so I was making it up to her. And uh, we had points on our flights. Got back into the airport yesterday and sat on the tarmac for at least two to three hours. And then uh, came in, got delayed. We were supposed to still fly later. We didn't. And uh, now we're sitting here. We got here this morning. Supposed to have a 7 a.m. flight out. We plan on being at life at our 11 o'clock service anyways. And, well, look what happened. <laughs> see anybody else. <laughs> and uh, Alright, love y'all. Have a great church. Maybe we'll get to see you after church service is over. God bless you. Love you. Bye. Don't we love our pastor? Don't we love our first lady? Don't we love the church video family? Amen. Praise God. All right. Amen. Well, in his absence, oh, children's church can be released. such a wonderful job bringing us into the presence of the Lord. Amen. We have to go on. We're thankful for the presence of the Lord that we feel in the building already. And look like the house is full today. I see some new faces. Welcome to life. We love to have you worshiping with us. Amen. We believe in the love of Christ. We believe that the presence of God is real and you can feel it. He's in the house. And we, we attempt to show that love because his, Christ is on the inside. And because he's on the inside, we can't help but exude that same love that Christ has shown us. Amen. Amen. Well, I thought she was trying to tell me something, so I was thinking I missed something. Amen. We're going to go to the word of the Lord, if you would stand with me. We're going to go into the song of Solomon. Amen. We bless his holy name. He's worthy. Amen. First scripture I want to look at is in uh, the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, 
Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 7. Now, Children's Church has been released. Uh, and you may want to send the children to Children's Church today. Uh, we're going to be looking at the Song of Solomon. Brother Ng, show that second slide. This is the word of the Lord. I ain't write it, but I'm telling you that we're about to look at a love story that's very detailed. Moving from courtship into consummation and commitment. Y'all know what that word consummation means, right? That's a lovely theological word for sexual intercourse. Amen. I didn't say that in the first. <laughs> Amen. So if your children are still in here, you might want to go ahead and send them to children's church. Amen. It's the word of the Lord. And it reads, verse 7, I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose, or by the gazelles, and some say deer, by the hinds of the field. This is male and female, maybe gazelles. That ye stir not up, nor await my love, till he please. Till he please. Very sensual book in the Bible, and it's written. Amen. And then verse, verse chapter 2, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 5, and chapter 8, verse 4, all repeat this same charge that we read in chapter 2, verse 7. We move to chapter 5, chapter 5, 2 through 7, and it reads, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew, and my locks with the drops of the night. I have put off my coat, she says. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. In other words, she's prepared for bed. How shall I defile them? My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my vows were moved for him. I rose up. So after she didn't answer the door, and she had something a little more important to do, she decided to get up. She went to the door and she thought about her beloved. And when she got to the door, the scripture says in verse five, I rose up to open to my beloved and my hands dripped with myrrh and my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. Amen. Amen. So she opened up the door to her lover, and because she paused for a second before she opened that door, he was gone. Amen. He was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Amen. Brother Duvall, if you would, pray for us. Thank you, sir. Oh, we thank the Lord. Oh, God, we 
and straight. Amen. Amen. This is a sensual book. I want you to read it for two reasons. And I'll, I'll begin to give you a little history. When we look at the Song of Solomon in chapter 1 and verse 1, it is the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs means that this song is above all songs that have ever been composed by Solomon. We look at the book of 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 32, and we find that Solomon composed 1,005 songs. And of the 1,005 songs, this love story is the song that is above all songs. In this song, there are three main characters. They are the young maiden known as the Shulamite woman. Also, the young man or the beloved, which we now know is Solomon. There are the brothers. And, it, and I, you'd have to go back and read it. I don't know if I'll get to these brothers, but sometimes as people, as humankind, as human beings, we tend to take things into our own hands. Right. And you'll find in chapter 8 that these brothers, after she had courtship and consummation and commitment with her beloved, they felt that they needed to do more to prepare her, thinking that she's just a young girl that's not prepared for marriage. Really interesting the way that they write it. I won't repeat it. You have to go and read that part. But they felt like they needed to prepare her. And if you read it, they talked about her body and her body not looking mature. But she let them know, not only am I mature, but I got my own vineyard now. That's the end of the message. She's got her own vineyard. And we'll get to that. But the Song of Solomon not only have these brothers and the wedding family of the Shulamite woman, but some other characters are the daughters of Jerusalem that we spoke of in the opening scripture. These daughters of Jerusalem represented the young, unmarried women within Israel's capital city. The Song of Solomon is one that directly relates to the romantic love of Solomon and the Shulamite woman. The literal description gives us over the course of their love, courtship, consummation, and commitment. They court and then they are married, they court, they have the wedding, and then they're married. Amen. But indirectly, there is a message within the Song of Solomon between God and his people. When you step into the house this morning, you step into the love of Christ. You might not have acknowledged it before you stepped in the building, but you are already in his love. Why? Because the scripture tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us with a love that we did not deserve. He loved us with a love that will cover all sin. And before you leave this place today, you can be a part of that love. 
above our own selves. Throughout the Bible, marriage relationships are a great illustration of our relationship with God. We look at this courtship. I like Sister Park sitting back here. I get to look around at her while I'm reading the Song of Solomon. You have eyes of the dove, baby. So be quiet. Don't do that. Well, I want to remind us as we read in the Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 2, this is, this is what I was just thinking. Let him kiss me with the kisses, kisses of his mouth. For thy love is better than wine, because of the Savior of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth, therefore do virgins love thee. Draw me, we will run after thee, the king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee, we will remember thy love more than wine, and upright love thee. Amen. She talked about the name, and she waited on her lover. The name means something. They talked about the name in the song before the message started. This name is real deep. Throughout the Bible, as we look at the name of Jesus and the progression of God, he's Elohim. He's Adonai. He's Jehovah. But in the New Testament, Jehovah, Jesus, is Jehovah has become our Savior. There's no love like Jehovah has become our Savior. Before we began to love him, he already loved us. He loved us so much that he died for us. Take its time. 
Amen. But I wanted, when I stepped out here, I was thinking, do y'all remember, for the married people, you remember courtship? <laughs> they call it dating these days. It's kind of cut down on the actual courtship when they call it dating. It's a little different. But you wanted that person to see everything that you possibly could become. I said for the date or the courtship with me and my wife, man, I bought the burger with the cheese on it. <laughs> Amen. She didn't just get the plain burger. What was I driving at the time? I probably was driving an F-150, nice, great F-150. Yeah, it was shined up. Had one of them trees hanging from the mirror. Yeah, courtship. This is who I am. Probably bought her something real nice and big, you know? Let her know I got a little money. I used to hit the gym, too. You'll find that Solomon, you know, protected his woman. You know, Sister Pop looked at me and she said, okay. I'm not just marching around in the army. She got her somebody that can protect her. I hit the gym. Amen. You're doing everything you can to have that individual feel that you're going to be better than anything you could ever become. You're putting on. You're putting on. I'm telling you, you're putting on. This Shulamite woman went on to say, in the first chapter, she said, I'm black because I've been out in the vineyard. In other words, she was, her color had darkened because she worked in the vineyard. And you find in the scripture, the reason she was there was suffering. Her family put her in the vineyard to work. And I want you to remember that. She worked in a vineyard that was not her own. And not only did she work in that vineyard, but she felt that it had changed who she is. It had changed her identity, she felt. It had changed her appearance. But I want you to know that we serve a God. Uh, we serve a God that is not concerned with what you look like. He's not concerned with whether you drive a Solomon, but she allows him to initiate. She began to warn others, you got to wait on love. You can't just allow love to, you can't just take over and go at your own pace when it comes to love. Looks are temporary. Character lasts forever. If you're single and you're in the building, 
people that are new to Christ and, and developing that relationship. They're in courtship with Christ. It amazes me. I'm, I'm fond of it. I love to see it. When an individual decides they want their lives to change, they repent of their sins, draw closer to Christ, get to know him, and he gets to know them. They begin to have a back and forth between the two of them. If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock and feed thy kids beside the shepherd's tent. Meet me. They're courting. They're talking about what they look like between each other. And that's what that early relationship is like with Christ. He's getting to know you. You're getting to know him. And at the same time, this love, which is a true love, gives peace and it gives rest. And we begin to worship him. And when we worship Christ, we're able to have peace and rest. Any other love that you rush may bring destruction and sorrow. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You don't want to rush it in this world we live in because this is a selfish world that we live in. There are many that are taking right and beginning to call it wrong and they're calling wrong right. And you will wonder why that is. You will wonder why that is. Because we're selfish. We're selfish. We do things for ourselves. We've even, if you go into the prison, you wonder if you spoke with an inmate, you wonder how could you do all these things? and be okay with it. Because we have a way as human beings of making right wrong. And this is it. If I don't feel that it's wrong, it's not wrong. That's the selfish side of it. If I don't feel it's wrong, it's wrong. So what would, what would the inmate say? You know, one wrong part of it is you caught me. If you hadn't caught me, it wouldn't have been wrong. And whether or not it falls into our line of what we feel is right. Yeah. I can rob banks. I can shoot people. But I won't shoot anybody in the church. That's my rule. That's my guideline. And for human beings, that's what makes it right. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That will not get us into the kingdom of God. Because we must have a courtship and a consummation and a commitment to the relationship of Christ. We must wait on the Lord. And this is the rule that this Shulamite woman is given to the daughters of Jerusalem. She's given them a warning to wait. Psalm 123 and 2 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And this relationship that we have with Christ, it requires us to have hope. For us to have something that we feel we can attain. It requires us to have faith. 
Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We must seek him. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. You can't have hope with something that you see. So we hold on to this hope faithfully and pleasing him along the way. If it doesn't please God, we shouldn't be doing it. We look at chapter 2 and verse 15. I hadn't even got out of chapter 2 yet. You know, watch the time for me. I want to make sure I'm staying on the time. In chapter verse 15, take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. In this vineyard that we're sharing, we can't allow anything to come into the vineyard. These two loved ones are saying that's going to spoil or deceive or take away what we have in the vineyard. What we have together is ours. I love you. You love me. And I'm not going to allow anything to come in between. And it talks about the, the foxes that spoil the vine. In Mark 13 and 5 through 6, Jesus says this. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive men. In verses 21 and 22, And then, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, there, here is the Christ, and lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christ and false prophets shall arise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. You're not outside the protection zone. You're not outside the protection by being a, an old saint. Amen? By being an old saint, you're not outside of it because we have to take heed unless we're deceived. See, our Satan, our enemy, he's a roaring lion. He's seeking. He's looking. He's trying to find who he can devour. I remember someone preaching about uh, animals that are in herds and how predators wait for one to get outside the herd and then attack. The, 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 the predator waits in the grass where you can't see them. And as soon as they get outside the herd, then pounce on them. That's the way our enemy is. Waiting on someone to be outside so that they can, so that he can pounce on them. The courtship. The courtship is beautiful. But I want to tell you, it's, it draws on appearance. The courtship starts with you look good. And all the fancy things that cause you to feel that I'm going to become a great person. But it doesn't stop there. We move into consummation. In chapter 3, 
So these, this is the, the breakdown is the courtship is in chapter 1, verse 2, through chapter 3, verse 5. The consummation is in chapter 3, verse 6, verse chapter 5 through chapter 5, verse 1. So we move into consummation. The consummation is the wedding. This is where it all takes place. I decided I'd pull a particular scripture out of here so I wouldn't go into too many details. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the roads and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up, nor awake my love till he please. She repeats this charge to the daughters of Jerusalem. Right prior to the consummation, then she asks this question. Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all powders of the merchant? Behold his bed, which is Solomon's. Three score valiant men are about it of the valiant of Israel. Not only is Solomon on his way and she's about to meet him in his bedchamber, but I want to remind you, these 60 valiant men that are around him provide protection. He protected his bride. They all hold swords, being experts in war. Every man hath his sword upon his thigh because of fear in the night. King Solomon made himself a chariot of wood in Lebanon. He made the pillars thereof of silver, the bottom thereof of gold, the covering of it of purple, the midst thereof being paved with love. For the daughters of Jerusalem, go forth, O ye daughters of Zion. And behold, King Solomon, with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousals and in the day of the gladness of his heart. Not only was he a protector, but he was gentle. He was gentle. There's a scripture in there that says he held her and he held her by her head with one arm and wrapped the other arm and embraced her. He was very gentle. Uh, he was not one that was rough. Amen. He wasn't one that uh, was too tough on her. He was gentle. It was pleasurable. And this is a pleasure in this book that was invented and approved by God. Just in case it's getting too R-rated. This is not of the devil. This is approved by God. Amen. He held her gently. I'm speaking to someone of how marriage is representative of our relationship with Christ. That was a weird look. I saw it, but like Jeremiah told me, don't look at their faces. I turned my head. Because of the consummation, I want you to go back and read this. Please read it. Please read. Starting at chapter 3 and verse 6 and read down through chapter 5 and verse 1 and you'll notice some very nice words as they discuss the intimacy of their relationship. How many know that sensualness and intimacy are two different things? You can be intimate with someone and not be sensual at the same time. You don't have to physically touch to be intimate. 
You can be close and know a person. And you get to know them and they get to know you without physical touch. Not only were they intimate, but they were sensual. And this is the scripture I was telling you all when he talked about the beauty of his bride. He said, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. Thy hair is as a flock of goats that appear from Mount Gilead. Thy teeth are like flocks of sheep that are even shorn, which came up from washing, whereof everyone bear twins, and none is bearing barren among them. Not only did she have long black hair, but she had nice white teeth. Not only did she have nice white teeth, but the scripture said there were twins. They were side by side. And they weren't barren. So none of them were missing. Amen. So she had nice white teeth. They were, they were, they were uh, side by side. Amen. This is the beauty of his spouse. But consummation doesn't last forever. Consummation doesn't last forever. After the wedding, then comes the marriage. I know we call it marriage. But this is the portion where the marriage starts. The marriage starts with commitment. The marriage starts with commitment. And this commitment in the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, and verse 2 through 7, gives us a kind of an idea of what happens when conflict comes. Sister Parson and I, sometimes we have conflict. No, y'all don't believe it. You've never seen that. For those that know us well, they've probably seen Sister Park roll her eyes before. Some of y'all ain't never seen that. She's just spiritual and sweet and loving. She is for real. She get real with me. Real loving. And she'll roll her eyes when conflict happens. When she disagrees with something that I do, she'll roll those eyes. Yeah, she mean bitch. Psalm of Solomon 5 and 2 through 7, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of mine beloved that knocketh. This is the opening scripture saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with dew. He's been out in the night. He's trying to get in. He says, My locks with the drip drops of the night. She says to him, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? My beloved. Put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, and my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. She paused before she opened that door. And by the time she went to open it, he was gone. And as she goes on, she says, My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave no answer. Similar to what Jacob experienced in Genesis. He said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. We don't want to get to that point in our relationship with Christ. 
where we go and we reach out to him and he's not there. In another scripture, in another version of that scripture, it says, without any doubt, the Lord is in this place. And I did not realize it. Ye are the children of light and children of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 6. Why did she not open that door? I'm telling you, the honeymoon is over. And when the honeymoon is over, there becomes then, what's that? Give me that third slide, sir, the one with the, uh, the marriage. See, they paying the bills on here. They got the computer out, they paying the bills. And I'm telling you, after that consummation, after that wedding, some serious things start happening then. You know, after Sister Parts had married me, she realized I got to make payments on that F-150. It don't just look good. I don't just shine it up, but I got to make payments on that thing. We began to talk about who had what debt. Amen. All of that coming to the marriage. Some of these things you don't think about when you're looking at it. And you're buying that cheeseburger. <laughs> and you're driving that F-150. But I'm here to tell you that the appearance is not going to last long. The appearance is not going to last long. There's some conflict going to happen. Why didn't you open that door, woman? I was sleeping. I didn't have my robe on. You ain't had a robe on. What that got to do with opening the door? I'm leaving. And he walked away. Amen. Some conflict. But I want to tell you that there's conflict resolution also. If you look at the scripture, you'll find in chapters 5 through 6, conflict resolution. They made up. He began to look at her again and see that hair that looked like goats. She began, he began to, she began to look at him and she could see that his on his legs were like gold, I think she said. Wow. Gold. That conflict resolution. We have to mature in our relationship with Christ. We can't stay in courtship and consummation. We have to continue to mature in that relationship. Marriage is not an engagement. Every marriage has this point where it's going to be challenged with conflict for its trueness. During courtship, you present everything about what you could ever become. But after the wedding, when the marriage happens, it requires maturity and commitment. How often is it that God knocks on your door and you're too busy with the day-to-day -day things of life to answer that call? Or preoccupied with the things of this world. Or you feel like you can put things off that pertain to God for a more convenient day. This is an extreme expectation that the church or the body of Christ has for Christ. And that is, we have an expectation for him to deliver us from everything. We have an expectation that he'll just deliver us all the way to the end. 
You might just have walked into this building because uh, it said church on the outside. Our buildings today. And because you see that it's a church, you walked in. But I'm here to tell you that Christ loved you. He loved you. He didn't love you for what you look like. This is the end of the Shulamite story. In the first chapter, in verse 6, she said that she was made to be a keeper of the vineyard. But this wasn't her own vineyard that she had kept. In, verse, in chapter 8, verse 12, it says, My vineyard, which is mine, is before me. Thou, O Solomon, must have a thousand. And those that keep the fruit thereof, 200. You can stand with me as I close. This Shulamite woman, she went from not having her own vineyard to owning her own vineyard with her lover, Solomon. And I'm here to tell you that everyone in the house has this opportunity. When the disciples saw Jesus, of sin, they began to gaze into the air. And someone here gazing up here at me like there's something next. You know, how do I have this kind of relationship? I'm telling you don't gaze. Don't gaze because he's coming back. Jesus is coming back. And we've got to be prepared for when he comes. If you haven't, you can repent of your sins. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of those sins. And you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You want your life to change? You might have walked in here thinking, hey, and I did it. I'm one of those preachers that are real. My wife, she's the one that pulled my coattail. But I'm real. When I went to church, she was at church. That's the reason I went. Some of you, that may be the reason you went. May be the reason you're here. You might have another purpose, an ulterior motive. I'm not doing all that. They Pentecostal, they talk in tongues, they run and do all these different things. I ain't doing all that. You had another purpose. But I'm here to tell you the love of God is here. His presence is here, just like it was when I entered into that building, looking at how beautiful she was. God has something else for me. He has a love for you that's above your own self. And you can repent of your sins today. This altar is open. Please come. Get to know who Jesus is. We have folks here that will pray with you. You've got any questions, you can ask them. Ask them for a testimony. How did your life change? How did you become the person that you feel you are in your love with Christ? And they'll begin to give you a testimony of how God drew them in. And maybe that'll be the thing that'll draw you away from whatever your ulterior motive was to come in in the first place. He loves us. He loves us. And you can have your own vineyard. Amen. Today, come to Christ. Come to Christ. He wants to know you more. He wants to have a deeper relationship with you. There's more to it. There's hope. Hope is something that you must have faith for. 
You may not see it right now, but faith is something that you cannot see. When we serve God, we serve a God that's powerful. He's loving. And uh, in John chapter 3, the Spirit of God is compared to the wind. You can't see it, but you know that it's blowing. The winds of the Spirit of God are blowing even in the house today. I'm not a hype man, but I know according to the Song of Solomon, this message has touched your heart. And you're standing there, waiting. We serve the type of God, He's going to touch you right where you are. I'm, the Shulamite woman responded with, when Solomon touched. And I'm asking you to respond. If you feel that touch of Christ drawing you nearer to him, respond to it. Allow the presence of God to move in your life. Reach out to him. Reach out to him in the house today. He's seeking after you. He's wanting to know you. Thank you. 
dancing or leaving for Germany. We definitely want to pray with him, ask the Lord's blessings upon him as he begins to have his change from his current duty station to the next. And we pray the Lord's endeavors upon this, this man of God, one who seeks after the Lord, prays before God. We pray that the Lord directs his steps. Amen. The prayer team would come forth and pray with him. Please lift up your hands towards this way. your hands toward this way and pray with us. God, that they would make the choice, God, to open up 
and commune with you and sup with you today. God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Announcements. I want to. I want to speak those again, so that in case you didn't hear when we opened, junior camp is this week. Amen. So go up, support if you can. Um, our back to school service will be next Sunday. We'll have a 9:30 service inside, and then 11 a.m. we'll move outside to have our service outside. There'll be inflatables. We'll have a bouncy house for the kids. Reverend Shannon Peacock will be here. T-shirt Sunday. Amen. The ushers would come. I mean, again, if it's your first time here, we're welcoming you. So happy that you've chosen to worship our life today. Amen. As they're here, give us the Lord has blessed today. We're going to pray and you can be dismissed. God, we love you today. We thank you. God, for your word. We thank you for your presence. God, that we felt in this house today. God, we pray, God, that you would go with us, God, as we go to our homes, our jobs, our our as we travel, go about our life today and the rest of this week. God, I pray that you would be with us. God, I pray that you would bless every gift, bless every giver, God, as we give, God, with what you have blessed us with. Thank you, God, for your word today. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Be dismissed.